Long, way outside for the three. He's got it. He's got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. Uh, we're continuing our interview series with some coaches. Uh, last week, of course, we had UNT head, uh, men's basketball head coach Graham McCaslin. This week, we're pleased to have Texas State women's basketball head coach Zenera Antoine. Coach, how are you? Long time no see. I feel like it's been forever since we've had a chat. Uh, how are you doing? Hey, I can't complain, to, to be honest with you. Uh, Texas State, we are uh, completely open right now. We have in-person classes for some of our student athletes and or the students in general population. We've started workouts. Um, you know, I think you're going to find that a lot of programs are having a lot of soft tissue injuries. Mm. So we're still working through that. But again, you know, I'll always love the fact that the culmination for basketball isn't until March and we really get rolling in October with our practices. So we have some time to work through a lot of the anxieties that we've had. Um, and then honestly, the it's not necessarily bumps and bruises, but just those small little nagging things that can come up um, just going through a COVID year and quarantine with the mental stressors that everyone has had to endure. Yeah. 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 I was going to, I was going to ask about last year to start it off. I mean, just y'all, obviously everybody went through that COVID year. Uh, y'all got a good win early against SMU. Uh, just what was it like going through that year, trying to navigate it and, you know, playing, playing through it? Honestly, pretty stressful. We only had one home game due to the cancellation of everything. And if you look at the year before, the one thing we do well is we're a pretty good home team. And so losing that game to me was was really tough. Um, sorry, only gaining the one game was really tough for the program. Um, I appreciated, how, though, how hard our kids played traveling on the road. Um, I think they got to see how things were when we did travel from um, one venue to another as far as how things were handled in quarantine. Uh, was an adjust for, for them as well. But that preseason piece of it, I think overall, I can't complain. I mean, we, we went to some venues where they weren't allowed to shower. And for a lot of athletes, you know, after after you're done, you, you have the opportunity just to do something as basic as showering it, mm. uh, you know, just making sure that people weren't um, trafficking areas that they didn't need to be. There were some schools that, you know, had requested that we not shower. Um, and so just kind of working through that mentally, I think can be tough. Um, as well as, you know, masking up all the time, um, the nervousness of getting it, all the social distancing. So just to start the season, I think they, they did pretty good. And then once we hit season, I, I felt better as time went on that they were able to make the adjustments, right? I mean, all sports are games of adjustments at some level, and they had to really adjust off the court. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, uh, Kennedy Taylor uh, interned at the uh, San Marcos record, and she wrote a really good column about what it was like for her personally to kind of go through that. And of course, she ended up catching uh, COVID during the season. And, you know, just I, I guess people lose track, I think, often when it comes to like student athletes about the fact that these aren't professionals, right, that these are 18, 19, 20 year olds that are going through 
were going through that just as, you know, people twice as old as they were, didn't know what was going on. Uh, and when it came to their work environment, you know, I guess was, I don't know, like what, what, what did you kind of see from your players mentally? Cause you mentioned some of the things like something as simple as showering after a game being taken from them or like home, the comfortability of a home game, you know, things like that. What did you kind of see mentally last year? You know, were there times at games where you're like, we're just not into this right away or like, you know, were there some moments like that? For sure. With this particular last season's team, yeah, I can definitely tell you that I had a clear understanding when our conference, as well as a few other conferences moved to playing back-to-back games against the same opponent that didn't bid well with my particular team because there was a fatigue factor that set in it. And it wasn't a physical fatigue. It truly was this mental fatigue. Oh, it's you again, you know, or, okay, we can go with the same game plan or I can do what I did the other day and we style the same result. And I think that really um, stood true for who this team was, as far as just, they were just, they hit a fatigue level. So you'd find we split a lot of our games yeah. Um, but when we'd see new opponents, man, we busted through. So I and our, myself and my staff were so excited to go to the conference tournament because I was like, oh, finally going to play different teams. Our team I knew was going to show up. Just pure factor that we had somebody new to play against. It wasn't going to be the same format. It was back to back, but it still wasn't the same format. And sure enough, these kids came out and I mean, they balled all the way to the end. And so that to me definitely played a factor into their mental. Um, you know, as a coach, it's tough-ish. Um, it's, it's tough, largely because you have to put on one face, right, with the media and, and another to protect your team, which I always consider a family. So when he or she, they're going through the stressors they go through, we cannot publicly explain what's going on to them. So things may be as simple as a breakup or uh, something going on within their family and suddenly they're struggling performing or you see an outburst on the court of anger. You know, those aren't questions that we can answer. But specifically when it comes to now you, you combine COVID, there's very little you can explain as well, which has sent a lot of people and specifically athletes into a, a deeper, darker place because they're training a lot without having the family around. Um, I found that my team comes over to my house at least four or five times a year. Mm. Uh, you know, when we got back to campus and they said, or during the, during the break, during the summer break, and there's seven of them said, coach, you've never been to your house. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I was like, you got, I was like, we're always hanging here. And, and when they right. said that, I was like, this is crazy that yeah. sub, more than half my team hasn't hung out the house because they all hang out the house. They're all used to coming right. over to hang out. We do so many team activities that also played into team chemistry. You know, it plays into how much are they able to really lean on each other when you don't have your family around. Um, our players made the decision, and I appreciate that during Christmas, to not Christmas, excuse me, during Thanksgiving to not see mm. their families um, mm. and make sure that they stayed safe, even though we're here. And then at Christmas, they said, coach, if we do this at Thanksgiving, we really want to be able to have a Christmas. I said, of course. So I'm just going to mm. have to trust it. And I said, I get it. You can go back. You're going to see cousins, nieces, nephews kissing and hugging on you. And I, my expectation is you're going to do the same. You know, you're not going to stiff arm them and we're just going to have to figure out what happens from there. So I, I think, yeah what you're beginning to understand now and actually what we're facing currently is very true. So they currently mm -hmm. have anxieties in the classroom. Mm -hmm. When you sure. have an open campus and you feel like you're doing everything you can, you have the same anxieties they had the first time around when they were being tested. For mm -hmm. COVID. Now you have, you know, the majority of our, our players are vaccinated and you're in a situation where you're nervous and you're sitting in a class, you're sitting on the bus and you're just uncertain if, you know, they're, they're uh, COVID free. 
So sure. some of those stressors are still there, even though we're, we're open. Um, and that's what I'm really gonna have to work on this year with them is helping them overcome those stressors. And we already talked about it, to be honest with you. Uh, I talked about what was the first day of class like, and some of them were honestly pretty, pretty stressed and I was stressed for them. So I'm gonna try to figure out mm -hmm. ways to alleviate some of that stress. You know, I think it's important administrators are aware that these students are going through this. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you're paying for a service and that is to, to learn in the classroom. And so I think a level of safety is appropriate. Yeah, the going to what you mentioned with uh, the back-to-back -back games, uh, you go to back-to-back -back games last year. And I mean, we talked to Coach McCaslin last week and he was another coach who was like, this is just really, really tough. Like we did not enjoy that at all. So having that break or however they schedule the, the schedule this year is a lot better than having the back-to-back -back games. But you mentioned the conference championship. And like you said, you go through, you roll through Georgia Southern, you lose in overtime to Troy, but do you feel like that gave y'all momentum? And do you feel like the mental toughness of this team is really, you know, picking up with the amount of returners that you have? For sure. And that's why I always say we always lead. Well, I feel like I always lead from a place of love with my team. So, um, if we were to be in what I would consider a true season, I feel like the outcome would have been different just because we were peaking at the right time. And they feel that, and they know how hard they worked in order to be able to gain the opportunities they had when we were in the conference tournament. And I think we see that with um, my team, as far as who stayed um, minimal players left in the, I had two players that left, one who did play, but she took the opportunity to go play division two and go into a, a pretty strong uh, nursing program. That's what she wanted. And so I understood that. And then the other one just decided to be a Texas state student. And so with that being said, and then we graduated one player, mm -hmm. a great defensive player who's going on to medical school. But with that being said, the core group is all returning um, with the changes as well of student athletes being able to you know, I don't want to say open transfer, but be able to transfer with a one-time exception. Uh, we had plenty of players that had that opportunity, but they decided to stay, Matthew. They decided to stay. And I really attribute that to their coaching staff, to them, to how much they appreciate Texas State, to how much, how hungry they are. I think to what they saw they were capable of doing as a unit. And so it's been really nice. I just said that to myself yesterday. We've only had two individual workouts. It's like, it's been enjoyable to train with them right now. Man, I don't have to do a lot with effort. There's very little I have to do with effort. It's a lot more helping them get in shape. Uh, I've been extremely positive because they've made it easy to be positive um, and just support them because, and that comes from the discipline and maturity of a hungry team, to be honest with you. You don't have to do as much of the rah, 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 or chewing butt because they, they do have a vision and there's an expectation from themselves. And I think a little bit of nervousness too, right? Because you don't know if you're going to be able to go through an entire season, but you know, you're very much so correct as far as what we have returning and how they finished has really been a driving force for them. Um, I noticed that, you know, especially last year, or I guess backing up a little bit, when I was covering the team, you know, you kind of transitioned a little bit of your style to what you did before to more of a pace and space, a lot smaller lineups. You had a lot more athletic players like Erica May and things like that. And then after that kind of group turned over and you guys had that run to the Sunbelt Championship, I noticed you guys have kind of started to rebuild what you kind of did before. I know you're a post player at heart, you're a defense player, a defense first coach at heart. And I noticed that some of that size has kind of returned that you guys kind of lost for a couple of years there. Um, was that a conscious effort to, I guess it's a two-part question where like that little transition period of where it was more 
pace and space where you guys still kept defensive intensity, but it was still a little bit more smaller lineups. Was that kind of maximizing that talent? And is this kind of more of the phase that you're kind of actually, I guess, wedded to or more accustomed to? That's a great question. I'll tell you, um, as I look at the evolution of myself over the last 10 years here at Texas State as a basketball coach, specifically X's and O's wise, what I found is I, 10 years is a decade. So you really do a lot of reflection, right? And in a lot of different ways, the up years, the down years, and I did my own personal prospectus. And what I found was my most successful years were years where we were actually pretty balanced offensively, Mm -hmm. um, specifically from the guard spot. And so what's interesting, what's happened this past year is the rise of Denasia Hood. Mm-hmm. And as a stretch for a kid who can post up, who can shoot the three, she can kind of do it all. And figuring out a way that I can win with her goes back to my roots. I need people who can open up the floor. So I need players around her who can shoot. So what does that look like? It means we have to sign a couple more kids that look a little bit more like Denasia to open up the floor for our guards and we need to get some guards who can come in here and shoot the basketball a little bit better like we've had in the past i think in 10 years i i hold seven of the young women that are leading the record books and obviously tasha levitt broke the ncaa record i don't expect that we're gonna have another kid like that again but my expectation is i gotta open the floor back up for us to get to a place where we um are flowing the way i I know that we can so i don't think specifically it was more uh, related to size Mm-hmm. as much as it was related to um, having a player like Denasia Hood, who we've never had before. She, sure. and, and, and her evolution, because if people, I tell people and people around us in the program, take a look at Denasia Hood when she first got in, um, her body is completely transformed and her work ethic is transformed over the years. And I really, really appreciate that she's been able to do that for this program because it's opened up so much more for us now. Where, meaning that truly what it does is when you have forwards who can shoot the ball and who can post up, specifically they can shoot the ball, man, you guards have driving lanes for days, mm-hmm. right? You have driving lanes for days. And then when her, when her shot's not hitting, she has ability to post up as well. But we've added some really amazing pieces around her. So I'm really excited about this year because not only are we returning almost everyone, we added a kid out of tech out of Texas Tech, who's coming off injury, so she may not be the same player, but man, she's so driven. I'll be shocked if she doesn't get herself into shape and, and ready to roll for us. So I think that adds another guard layer in there um, who can really get after and go. So I, I'm really excited only, only because they make me excited, to be honest with you. It's a really great group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Denasia Hood, Lauren Thompson, Kennedy Taylor, uh, you're on a list of returning players here. You kind of mentioned it uh, with adding adding some pieces around the team. Uh, how do you look at this year as far as how much do you go into the year wanting to tweak and change? And then how much do you kind of just look at last year and be like, all right, it was such an outlier year and such a weird year that like, we don't really know what didn't, did and didn't work. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. I understand what you're saying. So what I do is I break down every player every year and I take a look at all our shots. Um, and then we take a look at our, ourselves defensively. And then it's specifically as it relates to conference play, right? Because at the end of the day, your preseason helps at mid-major, our preseason helps build us for conference play to try to make a run there late. And so we took a look at all of that. I'll tell you, as far as defensively tweaking, we're going to have to up the ante um, from a defensive standpoint. We really, really need to do that. Offensively, any changes I'm going to make are really just more freedoms I'm going to give to the team, mm-hmm. right? Because we're older, they have the ability now to um, – do things maybe necessarily you haven't been able to done in the, done in the past. So even yesterday, uh, working with the point guards, right afterwards, our big guards were coming in, 
And uh, we're working on some fun stuff offensively with them. And I, you know, kind of peek over and I see a couple of the big guards looking over like, oh, they're getting excited. Like, oh, we're going to get a chance to do that too. And I was kind of chuckling to myself like, no, y'all skill level isn't where it needs to be. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to do what they're doing. But what it does allow is for them to, you know, do some really fun stuff, right? We worked on, and in that particular case, it was splitting screens, getting in between tight spaces, and that group could do it and score it. So giving them that freedom is might be a change, if you will, but not, not something where I feel like I'm like hammering them down. It's a positive change where they, they're able to have more freedom where I won't get after them as much for being able to try something. It's a little bit more fun, exciting, and honestly, very tough to guard. So if they're able to do that, then I want to be able to give that to them because they know the system, they have the maturity to be able to handle it. But true change, whether it's going to physically not feel good, is going to be defensively. They really have to get after it defensively this year. We got to get stops. It does not matter. I was just telling someone today in every sport that there is, you can outscore people if you're seeing a similar team. But if you see a championship level team, a team who can really contend, if you don't have ways to stop them, we're in trouble. I was making references to football at the time. I was just talking about football, but I really believe that about any sport that you got to have the ability to be able to get stops. You got to. So whether it come from scheme or just their athletic ability, uh, you got to figure out a way somewhere. So I'm putting a lot of pressure on my coaching staff right now, scheme wise, to get us in a place where, you know, we should be solid knowing that I may not have as many kids. Not every kid's going to buy into being a def defensive player, as you know, as you watch the game of basketball. Cause I mean, we watch these pros and we're just like, man, like, <laughs> The oceans didn't have to part, just stand there, you know, right. <laughs> but that's what, that's what happens. So you have to be realistic at the same time. So that's where scheme has to come into play. Yeah. Uh, looking at the conference, you know, what are you expecting this year? What's, what's the layout look like? I mean, Troy's obviously going to try to score 300 points a game. Uh, yeah. Little, <laughs> Little Rock's probably going to be bounced back. Uh, you know, they're always there. Louisiana, of course, had a great year last year. Uh, UTA, of course, having a, 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 a breaking in their coach as well. Um, their second year under, I believe their second year under, right? Um, you know, what, what do you look, what are you looking at when you look across the, the so court? Those are all, those are all legitimate contenders. I would honestly add schools that we don't see as much, but due to COVID, we didn't even play them. Is Georgia Southern? Mm -hmm. She struggled, but man, did she rebuild. She has got some great players coming in, um, I think due to the transfer portal. I'm curious to see how the majority of these teams are gonna look because a lot of schools took transfers, but I know as well as everyone else, when you take a transfer junior college or four year, the chemistry piece of it, the getting them to understand what you run can happen right away or it could take a long time or it could implode. So, I mean, Georgia Southern's got a great squad and so does Georgia State. I think, I think anyone would agree Georgia State in all sports should be a mecca for transfers, um, for student athletes wanting to come back home to their area because of the media market, because where it's located, the accessibility to get it in and out of that state, mm -hmm. um, they're always going to be good. They're always going to have some players. So I'm curious right. to see them uh, moving forward. I honestly believe at this point, it's pretty wide open. If you took a look, because we were forced to just stay playing the East versus the West, the one thing I did find is on our side, the West is so defensive oriented, lower scores, big time defense. And then we go out to the West side. This is just in the women's game. You found higher scoring, a lot more free flow, a lot of points being scored. So I also had a clear understanding when we hit this conference tournament that should, you know, play into our favor, largely because our side was just so defensive oriented. Sure. Um, really, really low scores. And then you take a look at the other side, you're seeing, you know, 80 all the way up, like you said, up in the hundreds. Mm. <laughs> I'll be curious to see what it looks like now that we have to play both sides. We're back to a traditional look now, Matthew. I know you're talking about what it looked, you know, what that might look like. So mm -hmm. we're back to a Thursday, Saturday schedule. 
Um, you play everyone, but you play everyone twice on your side and then once on the other. So I think, uh, I guess my last question, <clears throat> you know, uh, you mentioned it, 10 years, you know, you've been at Texas State. I remember when I was, I think when I was starting in KTSW, you were in your third year roughly, and you were still kind of turning the program over to, to kind of what you wanted it to be. You know, what changes have you seen the program take? What changes have you seen as your, yourself, you know, as a coach um, over the last 10 years? Because, I mean, that's, you know, the program's fully fully a reflection of you roughly, you know, basically. Um, and it's weird for me to say that. Cause I remember when you were still like, ah, you know, is coach Z going to be the one to kind of turn it in the right direction. It's like, yeah, no, it's, it's hers now. Like, you know, this is her thing now. So um, it's still weird for me to, to, to believe that, but yeah, 10 years, what do you, you know, what are your thoughts? 10 years. Uh, I've definitely evolved as a coach. I can tell you that I come from more of a, uh, place of understanding compassion. And I really believe that's because I'm a parent. Mm. Um, I think that's where that came from. The original fire that I have came from just being a student athlete and wanting to give back. And I just love the game. And that, that was where the excitement is. That is still there. But now I've added a layer where maybe some of my former players would call me soft now. Um, but I really, <laughs> now as a parent, my understanding of what the athletes have been going through is a little bit greater yeah. because this is a different generation, right? This is, this is Gen Z that I'm coaching and then we got Gen Alpha coming up here, you know, later on. And so to me, that means I have to have a better understanding of how to relate to them. And when I share stories, it's not that, you know, back in my day, we had to, you know, walk 10 miles up, up one hill and up the next. It's, it's not that story, right? They need to have an understanding right. of what it was like when I was a student athlete and to speak to them as a student athlete on, on their level um, in an area of compassion. Whereas I don't necessarily believe that's where I did before. More was just the raw, raw sport. It was the raw, raw training. Now it's more about, okay, what is it like to be in the classroom and go through you know, the stressors of COVID or you know, a, a breakup, um, mm -hmm. you know, just a breakup and just how much a breakup can really hurt and affect your performance in the classroom and on the floor. You know, there's, there's just a lot of different things, you know, when you have, you know, situations that involve some seriousness with the university, being able to come from a place of compassion or even just the, the mean girls stuff or, you know, somebody makes a rude comment or things that are being posted. I think all those things are really important. So in my evolution, just understanding that and being able to say, I hear you and to do a lot less talking at them is more listening to them. And then just, and it's not that they want anything back outside of just me to listen. And so I've learned that I've become a better listener over the years for sure. And I really believe that, that for me personally, that came from being a parent. Um, I think a lot changes when you're a parent and then now I'm currently a parent of student athletes. So our, our boys are, our twins are now in seventh grade and they, they yeah, they play select baseball. So, and I've got another side of me too, that I've also opened up my eyes over the years as well. And that is, for these parents of athletes out there, there are a lot of stressors they go through as well as I think there's a little bit of delusionalness to uh, how this all works as well. So I, I kind of find it my personal uh, cause I've taken up when I'm in the stands at times, if anybody asks I, and, they, and they give me a, a room to say something, I try to make sure they understand that the investment is not going to be what your expectation is. Whatever you're putting in financially, you're not gonna have that outcome. And once you understand that as a parent, then you'll be okay. A lot of parents struggle when I say that. And so why would you say that? I was like, well, think about it. The time you've taken away from work to bring them to train, the amount of money that you've put in, if you add all that up, 
over mm-hmm. time. It's not going to equal into a scholarship. So truly, sir, you know, self-search. Why is your child playing sport? What is it you want them to gain out of it? And then at that point, then you could make some, you know, better decisions regarding how you cheer them on and what you do. But the uh, most interesting thing, if you guys ever want to go into some deep weeds, is (laughs) find someone who's willing to talk about youth sports. And you will find uh, it is as murky as murky can be. It will help you understand the current state of collegiate athletics a lot better. That, interesting that no that that's i i need to i need to tell my tell my dad that because my dad just sat there and you know was it was it was was just yelling you know why'd you miss that free throw so, so. That's, the, that's the least of our worries the problem you have is the parents going up to the dugouts or going oh up yeah to, no, right? no 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 oh, that's, yeah your dad you can deal with like making because i'd be yelling at you make your free throw like i'm like, <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with you or you know why you standing there staring those are normal the, the, the where a kid, you know, a coach is making a decision to put a kid in with, you know, four seconds left in the game. And I've actually seen this happen. And the dad goes, sit down, go back. Now she's looking at the stands like, dad, please don't do this. And she's looking at her coach. And what, guess what she did? She sat her butt back down. Crazy. Right? That's crazy. So that, that's tough. That, that's what crazy. To deal with. But at a level when you're, you know, playing and the parents are paying at the yeah. same time. That's a whole nother story because yes. there's an expectation, right? Yeah. They they want their kid to play. They want them to play certain positions. Like I said, the evolution-ish is, is, is happening in many ways. As a mm-hmm. coach, it's been awesome for me. I feel like I'm in a great place to help my players. As a parent, I'm still learning myself, mm-hmm. uh, I'll be honest, with how to raise athletes because you have to teach them to be humble um and grateful and you know i've always told them you know what you get a home run you get a high five you get, you get a home run you might get an ice cream that's it you're not getting 100 bucks you're not getting 50 bucks you're not you know base hit gets you a high five and a cheer <laughs> and i've had athletes even at texas state whose parents paid them at the end of the season for you know x amount of rebounds hmm. man yeah yeah. See, your generation might think that's great and cool. For me, I was just like, geez. Well, I mean, it's like, I, I get it. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I'm part of, you know, I'm part of what my generation was the one that started the, the you know, the true, oh, or the trophy generation or whatever. That still sounds weird to me. Like, maybe it's just how I was raised, like getting money for like a touchdown or something like that. That's, that's wild to me. Yeah. 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 No, it's still, it's still, it's, it's going on. It's going on now at the youth level. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. No, you got him early when they, you know, they, when they were playing rec. Yeah. Everybody get the snow cone afterwards. I told them, we lose. You don't get a snow cone. <laughs> <laughs> so they know. Someone brought it up the other day. Oh, remember we were in rec and get snow cones. My twins like, we didn't get snow cones if we lost. Our mom said we couldn't get them. I was like, why would you deserve to get a snow cone for a loss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, oh, that's awesome. I, I completely feel that. I'm going to try to go Bryce Harper on the kids nowadays, but you know, it's, it's, there's a good balance. And that's why I love my yeah. team because I, do my best to give them a little bit of what they want and enjoy and appreciate right we are rewarding them for positive behaviors and in, in, in ways that we can right with food or a day off or something fun but then there's times where i know where they don't receive it and they're kind of looking like oh we're going to get something and they don't mm. like you can't get it for everything y'all i mm. think we have that understanding that that we've been able to help create that culture here right that there's an appreciation um and there still might be that want but at least there's not a bad attitude and suddenly quitting or, you know, trash talking because they didn't receive what they, they felt that they deserve. We don't have as much entitlement in this particular program that I have. And I like that. I, I do. 
Awesome. That's awesome. Well, coach, we won't keep you any longer. Uh, awesome perspective. Um, and we look forward to seeing y'all covering y'all this year and best of luck this season. I appreciate it, Matthew. Sure do. And ish, whenever you're down here in Sanbo. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Drink on me. Hey, you too, Matthew. <laughs> uh, I'm from San Antonio. I'm from San Antonio. So, so he'll be right up. Yeah. So I'll have to make a trip. Oh, for sure. Oh, that's great. There we go. We that's whole great. Party Thank together. you guys. And good luck to you covering, covering sports this COVID. This still, we're in another COVID year. So good luck yeah. to both of you. Yeah. Appreciate, appreciate you, coach. All right. Take Thank it you. Easy.